This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Jack Webb is about to put on that trench coat worn by most detectives in the LAPD. Dragnet was created and produced by Jack Webb, who starred as Stoic Sergeant Joe Friday. Webb had starred in a few mostly short-lived radio programs before Dragnet, but that show would make him a major media personality. Webb insisted on realism on the show. The dialogue was clipped, understated, and sparse, influenced by the hard-boiled school of crime fiction. Scripts were fast-moving, but didn't seem rushed. And underplaying was still acting. That's what Webb said in an interview. We try to make it as real as a guy pouring a cup of coffee. Specialized terminology was mentioned in every episode, but rarely explained. Webb trusted the audience to determine the meaning of words and terms by their context. And Dragnet tried to avoid awkward, lengthy exposition that people would not use in daily speech. But some specialized terms such as APB, for All Points Bulletin, and MO, for Modus Operandi, were rarely used in popular culture before Dragnet introduced them to everyday America. And now the episode, 16 Jewel Thieves. Here is another in NBC's great parade of new shows. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to burglary detail. A sudden wave of jewel thefts is sweeping the city. In 16 days, 16 burglaries have been committed, one each night. They bear the same trademark. Thousands of dollars of jewels are missing. The thief is a master at his trade. Your job, get him. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, June 17th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of burglary. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way into work that morning, and it was 7.53 a.m. when I got to room 45. Burglary detail. 
Hi, Joe. How are you, Walker? Gonna be a scorcher out today. Yeah, just like yesterday. Ben in yet? I think he's over in communications picking up the mail. Oh, thanks. You guys been busy? Yeah, kind of. Jewel thefts. Anything big? No, no big hauls, but he's consistent. Sixteen nights in a row. Hmm. Same guy? Think so. Same M.O. Yeah, everybody's got troubles. Gotta check some records. See you later, Joe. Okay, Willie. Burglary, Friday. Yeah. Okay, Mike, soon as Ben gets back. He's picking up the mail. Right. Bye. Hi, Joe. Hi, Ben. Hannon just called. Chief wants to see us. Take a look at these first. What do you got, overnight reports? Yeah, I have these two. Mm. Yeah. Two of them. Three diamond rings, one sapphire, one necklace, jade. Big haul. Look at the other one. Ladies' watch, diamond band, emerald bracelet, tourmaline brooch. What's tourmaline, Ben? I don't know. Must be valuable. It's gone. Uh-huh. Let's see. Owner left house about 9 p.m., returned about 1.30 a.m., found property gone, scratches on the door. Probably using the cellophane method. Hasn't missed yet. Two in one night. Well, he's picking up his pace. Must have a bag full of loot somewhere, whoever it is. You get the description sheet from pawn shop detail? Yeah, I got them right here. You take half of them. Let's see what luck we got this morning. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Nothing so far. Mm-mm. Me neither. I get it, Joe. Burglar Romero. Hi, Ben. Chief still wants to talk to you, boys. He's got an appointment at 8.30. Wants to see you before he leaves. Okay, Mike. Just checking some buy sheets. Be right in. Better make it fast. He's in a bad mood this morning. Okay, Mike. Thank you. Back strand again? Yeah, he's in a bad mood. Come on. Wonder what's bothering him. Something's bad. He doesn't blow very often. Chief of Detectives Office, Hannon. Go ahead in, boys. He's waiting. Thank you, Mike. All right, ma'am. I'll connect you. Friday, Romero, sit down. Wait till I get the phone. Backstrand. Oh, yes, Mrs. Winthrop. Yes, ma'am. We're doing all we can. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, ma'am. Goodbye. Got trouble, Ed? Taxpayer, Mrs. Winthrop. You two ought to remember the name. We do, Skipper. Ten days ago, somebody lifted $2,000 worth of diamonds from her bedroom while she was at the symphony. Last night, she was hit again. Diamond watch, an emerald bracelet, and some kind of a brooch. Tourmaline. I don't care what kind it was, it's gone. What's the pitch? We just read a report a couple of minutes ago, Skipper. Could be a tie-in with those other 16 jobs. 16 jobs in 16 days. And you haven't got a lead on the thief yet? Nothing shows up. No prints, nothing. Uh, what about the pawn shops? Nobody's tried to soak any hot stuff as far as we know. We double-checked the detail. We got every hawk shop in town on the alert. Whoever it is, they've got to try to pawn the stuff sometime. Unless they're going to give diamond rings for Christmas presents. They haven't tried the pawn shops yet, Skipper. We sure then. Look, 16 burglaries in 16 days. Jewels and watches. Good ones. Well, it's got to stop. It's got to stop soon, you understand? We'll stay right on top of it, Ed. We're doing all we can. For two weeks, I've had half a dozen women calling me every day. Society women. Some of them figure they should get extra treatment. They're only DR numbers to us, Skipper. They all get the same attention. I'll try and explain that to some of them. They think you're in on the racket. Maybe you boys would like to take these calls some morning. No, thanks, Ed. All right, then, let's get some action. Keep the pawn shop operators on their toes and get after every known fence in town. That's all. I've got an appointment. All right, Ed. Check you later. Holding a call for you, Ben. Oh, thank you. Hello. Oh, hi, Max. What? What? Well, hold it. Be right down. First break, Joe. What do you got? Necklace and a watch. Both of them on the stolen property list. Where? Henry's Pawn Shop. Fifth and Main. 
Six minutes later, at 8.25 a.m., Ben and I drove up in front of Henry's Square Deal Pawn Shop. Quick cash, no red tape, watches bought and sold. The proprietor was Max Murphy, an old friend of Ben's. Well, pal, of all days, it had to happen yesterday. Took the day off and went fishing up at Big Bear. I left my nephew in charge, Harry, a real knothead, that kid. How do you mean, Max? Joe, if I told him once, I told him a hundred and once. Whatever you do, whatever they come in with to hawk, check it with the list. Check it with the stolen property list. What does he do? He forgot. He forgot. Oh, a real knothead, that boy. How old is he, Max? Thirty-two. A real knothead. I checked the slips from yesterday. Then I checked the stolen property list. There it is. Hot stuff. When did the stuff come in, Max, do you know? About four o'clock yesterday afternoon. Can we look at it? Oh, sure. Uh, back here behind the car. There it is. Did you check out the serial numbers on the watch yet, Max? When I found out, yes. They match to a T. All right, let's see. Yeah. Description on this necklace matches, too. Let's have a look at your Bible, huh, Max? Yes, sir, Joe. Here you are. There's a deal right there. Here? Yeah, that's him. That's how he gave his name. Uh, Walter Tracy, 132 and a half Blackstone Court, Los Angeles. Let me check the book for the description, Max. Oh, sure. Yeah, here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Max, thanks. We'll be checking with you later. Sure, Joe. Anytime. Sorry. All right, Max. See you later. Uh, you fellas take it easy. Right. Want to check and see if we're clear, Joe? Yeah, I will. 80K to control one. 80K to control one. Are we clear? Control one to 80K. Stand by. Good lead, Joe. Got a description in here. Yeah. It's too bad Max's nephew had to slip up. Control one to 80K. Call your office immediately. Call your office immediately. KMH is Wonder what that's about. No, no, I'll call in. You got some change? I'll use Max's phone. Use your phone a minute, Max. Oh, you, Ben? Sure, help yourself. Thank you. City Hall. Two five two four. Two five two four. Burglary, Levine. This is Ben, George. You got something? Hot one. Universal loan shop, 6th and Barton Place. Guy just took in a couple of rings. He checked too late. What you mean? He checked the form after the guy left. It was signed Walter Tracy. There they are, Sergeant. Both rings. Fine quality diamonds. Don't you usually check your stolen goods list before you take in stuff like this? Usually, yes. Last night, no. I don't know what I was thinking about. Can we have a look at your buy book? Right here. There it is. Walter Tracy. 699 Olive Street. 145 pounds, 5 foot 9, dark hair, build, thin. We'll have to slap a hold on these rings. I know. I should have thought. Can you think of anything else that might help us to identify the man? Well, no. Had a light suit on. Nice cut. Very well dressed. Thank you. That's all for now. Here's a card. If the guy happens to drop back, give us a call, will you? Sure will, Sergeant. Say. Yeah? I've got some nice watch pens. Yours look old. Can I interest you? No, thanks. Some other time. Come on, Ben. That afternoon and the following morning, despite our alert and our warnings, two more pawn shops called in with reports of stolen watches taken in. We checked them out. 
The serial numbers on the watches matched those on the stolen property list. On the pawn shop account books, the loan was listed under the name Walter Tracy. The addresses were given as number 12 St. Vincent Place and 700 East Flower. The descriptions of the man were the same. Slight build, well-dressed, about 145 pounds, 5 feet 9 inches tall, dark wavy hair. We had the name and description distributed to every pawn shop in Los Angeles and surrounding communities. Through our informants, we checked up on every known fence in the city. For the next two nights, we received no reports of stolen jewels. That made up for the double burglary the night before. On June 19th, the box score read, 18 successive nights, 18 successive jewel burglaries. At 3.25 in the afternoon, Ben and I sat down to check over the late incoming reports. Got anything, Joe? No, not yet, no. Mm, nothing here. Maybe the guys left town. Nope. No such luck. Take a look. That's it, number 19. He may set a record. Well, he's making monkeys out of us, isn't he? Look, man's watch, lady's watch, Chinese amber necklace, diamond shirt studs, and a bracelet with two large rubies. He's getting ambitious. How's the value listing? I see. $1,800. One haul. I'll get it. Burglary Friday. Yeah. What? Yeah. Be right down. Stall him. Let's go, Ben. Where? Kaplan's down on East 2nd. Walter Tracy's in there now, trying to hock a gold watch. Ben, cover the door. I'll go to look like I'm shopping around. Right, but watch your step. We don't know this guy. Yeah, stay close to the door, huh? I'm sorry. That's the best we can do on the watch. Look, Mac, this is gold. 21 jewels. Well, that's the best I can do. Ah, drop dead. Well, it's the best I can do. Don't get sore. Yeah, sure. See you later. That's him, Sergeant. Wallet Tracy. I stole him as long as I could. All right, I'll check back with you later. Did you spot the guy that just came out? Yeah, I went up the street. Let's follow him. Hustle it. You spot him, Ben? Straight ahead, about 15 yards. He's crossing the street. Yeah, let's get up a little closer. We'll lose him, sure, if the light changes. Come on, run for it. What's the traffic like? Yeah. That was close. We might have spotted us. It's going faster. Come on, Joe, run. Yeah. Don't lose him. This crowd's not helping. Hey, hey, wait a minute. I bet you're a cop. You're chasing somebody. All right, let go of my arm, mister. Let go. Well, you don't have to get tough. Lousy cops think they own the street. I'm going to write the mayor's office. Come on, Joe. He's running for us. Yeah, I see him. Watch the signal up ahead. Hurry, Joe. Almost up to him. Into the parking lot. Hey, you! Stop! Look out, Joe. A gun! Yeah, I see. Right, get away. All get right, away, smart guy. It's a nice job. Yeah. He's too fast for an honest man. Let's take him in. When we got back to headquarters, Walter Tracy was under technical arrest. We took him directly to the interrogation room. We searched him thoroughly. We had him take everything out of his pockets and put it on the table. Then we had him take all the money he had in his wallet, count it out, and hold it in his hand. What is all this routine? That's all the money you have on you? $47.17, right? Yeah. Okay, keep it in your hand. Ben, shake him down. All right, Tracy, take off your coat, shirt, tie, and your shoes and socks. What kind of a pitch is this? I'm no hood. Take them all. Two big cops. You're not pinning anything on me. I don't care what you do. Sleeves. Pockets lining. Nothing in the coat, Joe. Get his shirt. Take it light with the threads, huh? Costs money. How about the trousers, Ben? Let's see. Cuffs. Pockets. No. Let me get the bell. 
Zipper on the inside of the belt? No, it's clean. Shoes are okay. All right, Tracy, let's see the soles of your feet. I hope you don't mind, uh, they're dirty. Why don't you take a shower? Let's see. All right, Joe, nothing. Put your toes back on. Yeah, thanks. All right, you. What's your name? Huh? I said, what's your name? You telling jokes? Walter Tracy, you know that. Your real name. How old are you, Tracy? 27. Where do you live? No place. Just got in town a couple of days ago. Where are you from? Salina, Kansas. Where you been sleeping the last two nights? The park, Pershing Square. Clothes don't show it. Pretty natty. I had them pressed. Where? Down by the square. I don't remember. You ever been arrested before? No. Where'd you get this gun, Tracy, the one you pulled on us? I didn't know who you were. Could have been a couple of hoods. <laughs> you kind of look like it. Where'd you get the gun? I won it in a crap game coming out on the train. Where'd you get the watch? Graduation present. You want to run a make on him, Joe? The gun and the watch? Yeah, I'll call him. Go on, check. You can't prove a thing. Pawn shop records, Gilmore. Gil, this is Friday. Can you give me a make on a watch? Sure, Joe. Go ahead. Time master, yellow gold, man's wristwatch. Okay. Case number 716F23. Right. Movement number B351708. Got it. Okay. Now give me a make on this gun, huh? 32 S&W automatic. Serial number 579461. Okay. Call me back. Right. What's your station number? 2572. I'll ring you, Joe. Thanks. Having fun? What'd you do with all those jewels you stole? When do I get out of here? I don't think you're going to get out. You got nothing on me. How tall are you, Tracy? Get your tape measure. Five, nine. How much you weigh? 140. I'm 27. My name's Walter Tracy. I come from Salina. I've been in town two days, and I don't know what you guys are talking about. You sound smart. You don't act it. And you're flying Brian, copper. What'd you do with those jewels you stole? I don't know what you're talking about. What color are your eyes? <laughs> I don't know. I'm colorblind. What color would you say your hair is? You colorblind, too? You ever been arrested before? Straighten out. He asked me that. I'm asking you. No. You ever done any big time? No. All right, I don't care if you level with us or not. We're going to make you on those prowl jobs, all 19 of them. Sure, sure. You guys are smart. You got in Los Angeles two days ago, is that right? Yeah. You don't know anything about any jewel thefts? That's what I said. And how come your name and your handwriting's on the account books and four pawn shops in Los Angeles? It's not mine. You can't prove it. We can, Tracy. Come clean. What'd you do with the stuff you stole from 1250 Moraga Drive, June 5th? I didn't steal any stuff. What'd you do with the rings and watches you took from 1400 Placerville Road, June 9th? I wasn't in town. What'd you do with the diamond dress pins you stole June 13th, 123 South Van S? Did I do that? You're not only kinky, you're a bad liar. You prove it. Border gets you a saw buck, your prints bounce, Tracy. Our handwriting man's gone to work on those signatures of yours. You haven't got a chance. Now, come on. Where'd you hide this stuff? You can't prove a thing. Where'd you say you've been sleeping the last two nights? In the park, Pershing Square. You want a map? Clothes sure look nice. I said I had them pressed. But you can't remember where. No, I can't remember where. That a crime? Friday talking. Joe, this is Gilmore. Here's the stuff you asked for. Let's have it, Gil. No make on the watch, no make on the gun. Okay, Gil, thanks a lot. Yeah. You're in up to your neck. You said that, didn't you? You're gonna talk, Tracy. Kinda tired. All right, we'll let you sleep on it. Come on, Ben, let's book him. All right. I'll get your jobs, coppers. Sure. Come on. 
We took Walter Tracy to the county jail and had him booked on suspicion of burglary. He was still sullen. We knew we had the guilty man, now we had to prove it. As it often happens, the victims never see the burglar. They only know he's been there. They can't identify him, but they can identify their property. Our job was to find the property. When we did, we'd have Walter Tracy. And the 19 victims would have their property returned. But Tracy wasn't talking, and we knew he'd never talk unless he thought it might help him. We took the problem to Ed Backstrand. Smart punk, Skipper, but he's done time before. How do you know? Tried him out last night when we brought him in. He talks like it and he acts like it. But he won't cop out. Are you sure? He won't talk in a hundred years. He knows he's got us in the spot. And one thing's sure, we're not going to send him up without finding the loot first. He's planted the stuff somewhere in this city. We've got to find it. Ben and I have got an idea, Ed. It's not going to be easy, but it might work. When is it? Tracy tried to soak some of the stolen property at four separate pawn shops in the downtown area. Yeah? At each one of those four pawn shops, he gave a local address. Now, we're sure he must have a room or an apartment someplace in town. All right. Where? That's where guesswork comes in, Skipper. Every one of those addresses he gave falls within a certain area. How big an area? Oh, uh, you've got that street diagram, Joe? Yeah. Here it is, Ed. From uh, Figueroa here to San Pedro, and from uh, Pico down to First Street. The area's about 12 blocks wide, 14 blocks long. Mm. That's a lot of territory. How are you going to cover it? On foot, we'll take Tracy with us. Plenty of legwork. You sure it's the answer? We've got to find the stuff, and it's the only way we can figure it. Hotels, apartments, rooming houses. There must be hundreds of places he could stay in that territory. It'll take a couple of weeks. Yeah, on foot it will. All right. It's tough, but it's your idea. Go to it. An hour after we left Chief Backstrand, we got Tracy out of his cell in the county jail and started our canvas of the appointed area. We took the usual precautions and handcuffed Tracy's wrists to our own. We started the search for his hideout at First Street in Figueroa. It was a warm day in Los Angeles. The temperature was 91. After the first three hours, I could tell Ben's feet were ready to give out, and so were mine. We couldn't even have the comfort of complaining. That had encouraged Tracy, and he was cocky enough already. He cursed and Your threatened every step of the way. my legs off. All right, quit pulling, will you? Come on, Tracy, up the stairs. Another one to check. Warm day, Joe. Yeah, a little. What do you mean, a little? Must be 110. Yes? What is it? You the manager? Yes. Could you tell me which apartment this man has in your house, ma'am? Who, him? Yes, ma'am, this one. Never saw him before. He don't live here. All right, ma'am, thank you. Yeah, hot, ain't it? <gasps> when are you gonna get wise? Come on, Tracy. Well, that finishes this side of the street. You want to cross over, Joe? Yeah, let's go. I'm hungry. I want to eat. After we cover the other side of the street. You can't do this to me. I'm going to get a lawyer. I'll have your jobs, both of you. Yeah, uh-huh. come on. We only got a couple of hundred places to go. Hi, gents. What can I do for you? You the manager? I run the place, yeah. Which room does this man have in your place? Him? You made a mistake. He doesn't live here. All right, thanks. My feet are killing me. Wait till I get a lawyer. I'll burn both of you dumb cops. What do you think you're doing anyway, making a guy... All that day and the day after that and the day after that, Ben and I, with Tracy handcuffed to our wrist, canvassed the designated areas from hotel to hotel, from rooming house to rooming house, and the apartments, too. Every day, our feet ached a little more, our pace slowed down, Tracy got more irritable, and the weather got hotter. 
The second day, it reached a high of 92. The third day, 94. The fourth day, 94. Police regulations say plainclothes officers must wear a coat and necktie on the street at all times. We wore our coats and neckties. The search continued into the fifth day. Our pace got even slower. Ben and I started to lose heart. After a while, we forgot our object was to recover the stolen jewels. All we wanted was to find Tracy's hideout. We knew we were right. We knew Tracy was our man. It was a point of pride. Whether your feet hurt or not, you don't give in to a thief. Yes? What do you want? You the landlady here? I am. Which apartment does this man have in the building? Well, none of them. He's not one of my tenants. Thank you, ma'am. Come on, Tracy. By the sixth day, all three of us had special pads in our shoes. Our feet ached worse than ever. Tracy let us know about his every three minutes. By late afternoon of the sixth day, we'd covered more than half of the designated area. The temperature was 95. You guys gonna go on forever? I'm sweating like a horse. I'm getting tired of your moaning. That looks like the manager behind the desk. Yes, sir? You the manager? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Can you tell us which room this man has in the hotel? Him? Mm-hmm. He doesn't live here. Hey, uh, you fellas look awfully warm. Like to cool off in the lobby? We're air-conditioned. No, thanks. I'm hungry. When do we eat? You're always hungry. You got the biggest mouth on a cop I ever saw. Oh, All right, yeah. I'm hungry. I want to eat. Now. Wait till I give this story to the papers. Mistreating innocent guys. They'll break you. All right. Come on. Up the stairs. I'm going to get a lawyer tonight. I'll show you. Yes? Why, Mr. Baker, where have you been? We questioned the landlady, a Miss Elizabeth Hunter... She told us that Baker, alias Tracy, had rented an apartment from her about two months before. That's all the information she could give us. Tracy clammed up. He would admit nothing. We asked Miss Hunter to accompany us as a witness. We took the elevator up to Tracy's apartment on the sixth floor. Miss Hunter, Tracy, Ben, and I. Down this way. Here. Do you want me to open it? Please, Miss Hunter. There's a girl... Walter? What is it, Walter? I told you to get out of town if I didn't come back. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave without you. I thought you slept in the park. Ah, uh, take a jump. Where's the stuff hidden? All right, Ben, handcuff him to a chair. The girl behind him. We'll find the stuff ourselves. All right, Tracy. All right, you're next. I haven't done anything either, so you can't prove it. Billy, shut up. That's better. No talking between you two. First, we'll separate you. All right, Ben, you take the living room here. I'll try the kitchen and get a window open. It's hot in here. All right. Sergeant, you will be careful of the furniture. Yes, ma'am. I had no idea. You, Mr. Baker, of all people. Don't talk to him, please, ma'am. Oh, yes. <gasps> Tin cop. Why don't you spell? Ben, look. It's only the beginning. He's got the stuff scattered seven ways for Sunday. We're going to need help. In the milk bottle? Yeah, two rings, three loose diamonds, and this bottle of mayonnaise. We found some kind of a brooch in it. A couple of watches taped to the underside of the kitchen sink. All right, you. Convinced? Okay, Ben. Call Backstrand. There was
was a definite possibility that Walter Baker, alias Tracy, had stored some of his stolen loot outside his apartment. We stood little chance of ever recovering it unless we got him to break. Ben called Chief Backstrand, and in ten minutes he arrived at the apartment with another man from burglary detail, George Levine. Together we went over the four-room apartment foot by foot. We found jewelry, watches, loose stones in every conceivable place. In cartons of cottage cheese, in jars of cold cream, in the garbage can, everywhere. Who's your girlfriend? All right, I'll ask her. What's your name? I said, what is your name? Billy. Billy Crawford, he didn't do anything. He didn't. All right, Billy. Maybe you can tell us. Where's the rest of the stuff he stole? He didn't steal. He didn't steal anything. Billy, shut up. Keep quiet, you. Ed, wait a minute. What? Just a minute. I want to look over here. Papers. Taped to the underside of that top drawer. What is it, Friday? No, no, you can't. You can't. Look at these. All right. You found them. I'll talk. No, Walter, don't. Parole papers. He's an ex-con. Yeah, I'll cop out. Don't do it, Walter. Billy, shut up. Dumb dame. The rest of the stuff, where is it? On the roof. Inside the ventilator, the one near the front, you'll find a couple of paper bags. That's it. Levine? Got it, Chief. I'll check it. Your papers say you did time in Oregon. What for? Fell for robbery. Did five. I owe him seven. What about the girl? Walter, I'm going with you. Her? I don't know. You figure it. All right, Friday. Romero, take the girl to Lincoln Heights and book her. We'll take him. Right, Ed. Come on, Ben. No. No, Walter, I want to go with you. I'm sorry, ma'am. This way out. All right, easy, lady. Oh, no, wait a minute. Just a minute. Walter. You're a dumb dame, Billy. So long. Walter. All right, come on, let's go. What's the matter? You feel all right? He lied. He said he loved me. He lied to me. Don't feel hurt, lady. He lied to everybody. The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Walter Baker, alias Walter Tracy, was tried and convicted on three counts of first-degree burglary and received the maximum sentence prescribed by law. He is now serving out his term in the state penitentiary. A hold has been placed on him by the state of Oregon, where he will serve out seven years for violation of parole. Billy Crawford, Baker's accomplice, was tried and convicted of receiving stolen property and is now serving time in the state penitentiary for women. You have just heard the 11th in a new series of authentic cases transcribed from official police files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Warden Clarence A. Larkin of Folsom Prison, Sacramento, who, on the evening of September 24th, 1937, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. If you enjoyed tonight's production of Dragnet, you'll want to listen this Saturday evening to a pair of adventure shows featuring two well-known Hollywood personalities. You'll enjoy Brian Donlevy, star of Dangerous Assignment. Also on Saturday's schedule is Richard Diamond, private detective, as played by the screen's romantic tough guy, Dick Powell. Listen to both of these exciting programs this Saturday over most of these same NBC stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. 
Stay tuned for Father Knows Best, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Robert Young to star in Father Knows Best and the episode that first aired in 1950, The Skunk Must Go. (laughs) Mother, is Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. It's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as Father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by Maxwell House, the coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. It was Shakespeare who said, life is a crooked game, and you never know when they'll deal you one from the bottom of the deck. This was Joe Shakespeare, of course, who runs the meat market on Franklin Avenue. And it isn't bad for a fellow who never went past the seventh grade. Anyway, it's just short of dinner time in Springfield, and in the white frame house on Maple Street, the Andersons are about to be double shuffled, double dealt, and otherwise generally bilked by the fiendish Philip of a fickle fate, like this. Margaret, I'm home. We're in the kitchen, dear. I'll be in as soon as I hang up my coat. There's a message for you next to the telephone. Oh, okay, honey, I see it. Daddy! Hello, sweetheart. How's my best girl? Oh, Daddy, my beautiful Daddy. You're just the most wonderful, most beautiful, most gorgeous Daddy in the whole world. Kathy, you're choking me. I'm sorry, Daddy, but I was so glad to see you. Well, of course. We haven't seen one another since... Way back this morning. A whole day. And I missed you so. How much? How much did I miss you? How much do you need? Why, Daddy. Well? Fifteen cents. Why? I lost my pencil sharpener. And if I don't buy a new one, how can I sharpen my pencils? It won't be easy. May I, Daddy, please? Well, let's see. Which week's allowance are you working on now? October 21st. October 21st? Uh, 1953. All right. Suppose I advance you 15 cents against the week of October 28th. How will that be? Oh, that's wonderful, Daddy. You just love me for my money. Oh, I do not. Hi, honey. Did you find the message from Bill Whitley? Uh, he got me at the office. Hello, Angel. Hello, dear. <laughs> Hi, Father. Well, what are you doing? Shelling peas. And look at my nails. Why don't you help her, Kathy? It's her turn. I did it last time. She doesn't have to help me. Go ahead, Kathy. Give your sister a hand. And let's not have any arguments about it. Don't you forget, Betty, the next time I have to shell peas, I help you. Well, stop talking and help me. Where's Bud? Probably over with Joe Phillips. He'll be along in time for dinner. You know, Margaret, I was thinking today, we're a pretty lucky family. We have a nice home. It's almost paid for. We're well and happy. We're not rich, but uh, we manage. My, aren't we solemn tonight? 
Well, I was talking to Bill Whitley today, poor guy. Is anything wrong, dear? Oh, just a bunch of little things. His boy had that operation last March, and he's had a few bad accounts. Now he's worried that he won't be able to meet his insurance payments. That's a shame. They're such nice people. Almost ready with the peas, dear? Just about. Mom, I won. I won. Mom, look what I won. What on earth? Bud, how many times have you been told not to burst into the house like that? I won the prize. Look, I won the prize. I don't care what you... A skunk? (laughs) Bud! Oh, Bud! Get that thing out of here. That is beautiful. I said get it out of here. Bud, please. Guys. Don't make so much noise. You're getting him all excited. We're getting him excited. <laughs> but if you don't get that thing out Just of here... Just a moment, Jim. Let's be sensible about it and calm down. Calm down? A skunk in the kitchen and you want me to calm down? Well, we don't want to get the skunk upset, do we? Oh, no. That's right. No, we mustn't get him upset. Just uh, everybody be calm now. Let's not get him uh, uh, upset. Oh, Mother, make him take it away, please. He won't hurt you, Betty. See? Take him away. Bud, Bud, take that thing away from your sister. There isn't anything to worry about, Dad. He's housebroken and everything. (laughs) Kathy, don't walk around. You're stepping on the peas. But I want to touch him. May I, Bud, please? Okay, but don't scare him. Nice boy. See here, bud. You don't have to worry, Dad. He's deodorized. The man said so. What man? The man who ran the raffle. You won that thing in a raffle? Wasn't I lucky? (laughs) The things that can happen out of a clear sky. Betty, get down off the table. Nothing's going to hurt you. Tell him to keep it away from me. Thousands and thousands of children, and my son has to win a skunk. Beautiful. But this is hardly the place to keep a skunk. But he's just like a cat, and lots of people have cats. Why didn't you bring home an elephant? A family like this can always use a nice, congenial elephant. I don't think the man has an elephant. (laughs) Mother, look at his tail. It's twitching. Well, sure, he's happy. Aren't you, boy? Lily. His name is Lily. Yep. Isn't he beautiful? Yeah, he's gorgeous. Bud, take that thing outside and get rid of it. Gosh, I I can't, Dan. Why not? I just told you, he's deodorized. That is merely your opinion. And anyway, what difference does that make? The man told me all about it. If you turn a deodorized skunk loose, he's defenseless. He'll get killed. And we'll send flowers to his mother. Take him out in the field and, and, and lose him. Jim, we can't be heartless about it. We can't be brainless either. Margaret, don't tell me you want to keep Lily. Of course not. I do. The man said they make wonderful pets and they eat practically nothing. Well, that's fine. Give him back to the man. I can't. Why not? His wife says she'll divorce him. It isn't bad enough having Kathy around. Now we have to have a skunk. Betty! Well? Who 
wants to call on a girl whose brother has a skunk. I do. <laughs> Lily won't be any trouble, Dad. He can sleep in my room, and I'll pay for his food out of my allowance. But it's not a question of expense or how much room he takes up. We just can't have a skunk around. Nobody in his right mind wants to keep a skunk around. I do. That's what I said. Nobody in his right mind. <laughs> Jim, if we could only find him a good home... Where? With whom? Who wants a skunk? The man said... Father, look at him. His nose is twitching. Isn't he sweet? <laughs> but it, his nose is twitching. Look at it. Betty, that's not the end you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about either end, Dad. The man said... I don't care what the man said. Why don't we call someone who likes skunks? Margaret. Who, outside of another skunk, likes skunks? Well, there must be someone. I do. The man said everybody likes a pet skunk, and Lily's one of the finest pet skunks in Springfield. May I hold him, bud? Sure, I guess so. Here. Come on, Lily. Atta boy. <laughs> Jim, where are you going? I'm going to call a zoo. That's where I'm going. It won't do any good, Dad. They can give him a good home, three square meals a day. What was that? I said it won't do any good to call the zoo. Why not? The man said he called the zoo and they've got a skunk. Well, they're going to have another one. I'm a citizen of Springfield. I pay my taxes. It's as much my zoo as anybody else's. If I want to give them a skunk, well, they'd better take it. The man said... Hello, Springfield Zoo. Oh, my name is Anderson, James Anderson, 607 Maple Street. Uh, we have a skunk... What? Oh, you know, Lily. Oh, I was just saying to my wife that I thought it might be a very good idea if... They what? Well, if the other animals won't trust a skunk, why should we? I, I, I know it isn't your problem, but... Look, if you'll only let me explain, I had nothing to do with getting the skunk. It was my son. No, my son. Oh, uh, don't you think that shooting him is a little drastic? What? Well, if I can't think of anything else, I may. Holy cow. Thank you very much. Yeah, a great help he turned out to be. Dad, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I got you mad about the skunk, but... Gee whiz. What did they say, Jim? They know all about Lily. People have been trying to give him to the zoo for years. Dad, before you do anything permanent, don't you think we ought to talk about it? Bug, what on earth happened to you? You're as white as a sheet. Always worried about that idiotic skunk. The man at the zoo said I ought to take Lily to the pound and have him shot. Lily? Well, who do you think I meant? Oh... I think I'll go sit down. Jim, you're not going to have that poor little thing shot, are you? Daddy, you can't. Please. Well, what can I do? The zoo won't have him. We can't turn him loose. We don't know anybody silly enough to give him a home. You want to keep him here? Father, I don't like skunks, but you can't have him shot. Well, suppose you tell me... Wait a minute. I've got an idea. Of course. Jim, what are you going to do? There's only one thing we can do. We'll have a raffle. 
skunk is a creature both calm and urbane, from whom other animals gladly abstain. He may be as fresh as the bright morning dew, and yet who can trust him? I wouldn't. Would you? It's a few days later in Springfield, and breakfast time in the white frame house on Maple Street. But it isn't just any day, nor yet any breakfast. This is a big day in the life of the Anderson. This is the day of the skunk raffle. Thusly. I don't care what anybody says. Bob Stewart had no right to charge me $7.50 for printing the tickets. Jim, it's for a very worthy cause. A hundred tickets. Why, that's seven and a half cents apiece. The minister said you couldn't have found a better way to dispose of Lily. He must have printed each ticket by hand and sprinkled diamond dust over the ink. Here's your coffee, dear. Oh, thank you. I told him I wanted very plain tickets, the very plainest he had. Why did he have to be so fancy? Because he knows the money's going to the church and he wanted everything to look nice. Seven dollars and fifty cents to get rid of something we didn't even own in the first place. Where's the sugar bowl? Bud took it out to the garage. He forgot to put sugar on Lily's cereal. Oh, that's fine. I'm surprised he didn't sleep out in the garage to keep the silly animal company. Jim. Yes? He did. Bud slept in the garage? Well, he said it was Lily's last night, and he didn't want anything to happen to him. What can happen to a skunk that hasn't already happened? Isn't there any more sugar? I'll get some, dear. Tells me a skunk eats practically nothing. This one eats like his father was a tapeworm. Oh, dear. Now what's the matter? I could have sworn we had another bottle of cream. No cream, huh? No, dear, but as soon as Bud comes in... There was cream last night. I know, dear, but I thought we had another bottle. Lily, huh? Yes, dear. Margaret. We have plenty of milk. Well, that's nice. You're sure I'm not disrupting any of your plans? I mean, you wouldn't have a more important use for it. Lily, perhaps? Jim, you know Lily doesn't like milk. Oh, well, then it's all right. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't want to use anything you might need for Lily. Jim. Morning, everybody. Isn't this the most wonderful day you've ever seen? Good morning, Betty. The warm sunshine, the golden leaves. Isn't it good just to be alive? Huh. What? I said, huh. What's the matter with Father? Uh, nothing, dear. Sit down and drink your juice. I'll have your breakfast ready in a minute. Provided Lily hasn't already eaten it. Jim, you're not being fair. I'm not being fair. Half of my breakfast out in the garage with that polecat, and I'm not being fair. <laughs> Morning, Mommy. Morning, Daddy. Good morning, dear. Hmm. Where's Lily? Out in the garage with Clyde Beatty. <laughs> Who? Never mind. Just sit down and eat your breakfast. Drink your juice, dear. I'll have your cereal ready in a minute. Daddy! Not now, Kathy. But I want to tell him something. Daddy! What is it, Kathleen? I sold a ticket. What's fine? A ticket? You had 25 of them. I've still got 24. Oh, that's great. That's just great. The drawing's in less than an hour, and we've still got 24 tickets. Jim, we don't have to sell all the tickets, do we? I told Dr. Swain it'd be $25 for the church. If we don't sell all the tickets, I'll have to give him the money myself. Well, 24 tickets are only $6, dear. Oh, only $6. $7.50 for the printing, $6 for the tickets. That's $13.50 to get rid of that miserable skunk. He isn't miserable, Daddy. He's cute. When your brother comes in here... You want me, Dad? Yes, come in here. What did I do now? Bud, do you realize what that defrosted skunk is costing me? I don't know, Dad. 
$13.50. It is? Your sister was so positive she could sell 25 tickets. Do you know how many she sold? One. Dad. One measly little ticket for 25 cents. Now I'll have to make good for the rest. Dad. When I was a boy, I never brought a skunk home. I had more consideration for my parents. Dad. I'd have been booted from here down to the city hall if I even mentioned bringing a skunk into the house. Dad. But my children waltz into the house with anything they please. Skunks, frogs, lizards, and I've got to get rid of them. Do you realize that we're stuck with 24 tickets? Dad. What is it? I didn't sell all mine, either. Oh, no. Well, gosh, it isn't easy to sell tickets on a skunk. People are prejudiced. How many did you sell? And besides, somebody had to stay here and take care of Lily. How many did you sell? So I got a bunch of fellas to sell them for me. They took the 75 tickets. How many did you sell? 19. Out of 75? Well, the fellas said they tried. 19. We've got 80 tickets left. I'm sorry, Dad. Mother, isn't there any cream? Betty, not now. Gosh, it isn't as if we didn't try. While I still have some control over my temper, let me have the $5. Here's my quarter, Daddy. Dad. Yes? All I've got is $1.90. 19 tickets at 25 cents is $4.75, not $1.90. That's less commission. What commission? Well, I had to give the fellows a commission. They sold them for a quarter, but we only got a dime. Bud. Dad, you don't know how hard it is selling skunk tickets. <laughs> they were doing me a favor. Thirty dollars. That's what it comes to, Margaret. Thirty dollars to get rid of a skunk. Uh, have some more coffee, dear? Mm. Maybe, maybe we better just keep it, huh, Dad? We're not going to keep anything. And you and I are going to have a long talk someday about what happens to boys who bring skunks into the house. Uh, what are you going to do now, dear? I'm going to see if I can't get rid of some of these tickets. Who ever heard of a raffle with only 20 tickets? Get the house all cluttered up with skunks. Can't sell the tickets. Should have had the darn thing shot in the first place. Oh, Bob Stewart? Oh, this is Jim Anderson. Look, about those tickets, I... Yes, yes, they were very nice, but... Uh... We've got quite a few of them left, Bob, and after all, you did make seven fifty on the deal, and the money does go to the church, so I thought if you'd like to take about 25 chances... I... Hello, Bob? Bob, hello? <laughs> Fine thing. Just wait until I want some more tickets printed, that's all. It'll be a cold day in July. Mr. Stewart, take any, Jim? He hung up on me, that's what he did, the nerve of him. Just hung up. Jim, we've got to leave for the church in a very few minutes. Well, uh, you go ahead with the kids. I'll be along as soon as I get through here. Well, don't be too long, dear. Okay. Hello, Heck. Uh, this is Jim Anderson. Uh, just fine, thanks. Say, Heck. Uh, she's fine, too, thank you. Say, Heck. Yes, they're all fine. Say, Heck. Have you heard about the raffle we're holding? Well, all the money goes to the church, and the tickets are only a quarter apiece. Hmm? Oh, it's, uh, for a skunk, Heck, but you ought to see him. Cutest little fella you ever saw in your whole life. What? Hello, Heck. <laughs> Heck! Fine bunch of friends I have. Hang on to a quarter as though their life depended on it. Smoke 50-cent cigars, but if you ask them to lay out a dime for something worthwhile... Hello, George. Uh, this is Jim Anderson. Say, George, we're having a raffle at the church. 
Well, we're giving the tickets away, George. Uh, there's no charge at all. That's right. All you have to do is keep what you win. <laughs> what? Well, it's a, it's a pet skunk, George. And so help me, it's a million laughs. Just the happiest little thing. You... George. Hello, George. Now you can't even give the things away. What a great raffle this is going to be. Hello, Ed. Uh, this is Jim Anderson. We're having a free raffle at the church, Ed, and I want you to have these free chances to win a free prize. Well, I, I've seen some cute skunks in my time, Ed, but this one is... Ed. Hello, Ed. Are you sure he said he'd be here, Mrs. Anderson? I'm quite sure, Dr. Swain. I don't know what could have happened to him. Maybe Lily bit him. Lily? The skunk. They don't like one another. Kathy, you know how children exaggerate. Yes. Do you want me to call the house, Mother? Maybe you'd better, and if he hasn't left... Here he comes, Mom. What's he got in the box? Kathy, don't be silly. That's Lily. Oh, uh, Jim. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late, Dr. Swain, but I, I had a time getting rid of the tickets. Did you sell them all, Dad? Uh, not quite. Oh? But you don't have to worry, Doctor. Here's my check for $25 to uh, cover the whole thing. Oh. Um, uh, how many lucky people are there in the drawing? Twenty. Twenty? But... But those are all the chances... Bud, be quiet. Holy cow. Uh, these are the stubs for the 20 tickets that were sold, Dr. Swain, so, uh... If you want to go ahead... We'll do that this very moment. Uh, attention, everyone. Attention, please. We're going to have the drawing for the... Uh, the little animal so generously donated by our friend, Mr. Anderson. It was my skunk. But please... Uh, Betty, would you like to put the stubs in this bowl? Okay. How's that? Uh, that's fine. Now mix them thoroughly. Uh, there we are. $30 to get rid of a skunk. Jim. Now, uh, Kathleen, uh, would you draw one of the slips, please? Uh, reach way up. Like that? That's a good girl. May I have it, please? Thank you. Attention, everyone. The winning number is number 73. Will the lucky person holding number 73 please step forward? Number 73. Dr. Swain? Yes, Kathleen? That's me! Oh, no! Once again, it's breakfast time in the white frame house on Maple Street. A skunkless breakfast time, if not exactly a happy one, like this. The only thing I ever won in my whole life, and you wouldn't let me keep it. I couldn't let you keep it, Kathy. And you let Jimmy Woody keep it. Jimmy Woody is not my child. How can you have a raffle and let your own daughter win it? 
I'll see who it is. Kathy, your father knows best, and it really wouldn't have looked right. Why not? I paid my quarter. I had as much right as anyone else. But you pulled a number out of the bowl, stupid. What's stupid about pulling my own number? <laughs> Kathy, it just isn't done. It isn't? No. And besides, the principal idea was to get rid of Lily. That's why we had to pick another number. Jimmy Woody. He only paid half as much for his ticket, and he got to keep the whole skunk. Fine. It couldn't have happened to a nicer boy. He's an only child, and his father lets him have everything. Why couldn't I be an only child? Why couldn't you be a child, period? Jim. My quarter. If I don't give the skunk, I ought to get my quarter back. No. Mommy. Why, Jim? Margaret, she knew we weren't going to keep the skunk. Why did she have to buy a ticket? This will teach her not to throw her money around. Oh, Kathy, stop it. Kathy, I said stop it. Kathleen. Yes, Mommy? That will be quite enough. Yes, Mommy. What were you saying, Jim? Uh, nothing. <laughs> Who was it, bud? You mean at the door? Just Jimmy Woody. What did he want? Oh, nothing much. He just wanted to know if we wanted to buy a chance on a skunk raffle. again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Dragnet, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Black Museum, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.